The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on the Mike Wise Show, the NBA playoffs are in full swing and they have featured fireworks on and off the court. And we're here to wade in with some thoughts, but first, Darlene, do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thanks, Darlene. We're just over a week into the playoffs. It's been crazy. From the return of large crowds to the exciting action on the court, there's a lot to unpack. And here to chop it up with me is my wingman and producer, Bruce Bernstein. Welcome, Bruce. Hello, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, I don't really have a choice. I mean, you're the, we couldn't get um, Doris Burke. We couldn't get Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, but dang it, we got you, and that's all we need. Well, you know what? Um, I'm happy to finish third to those two. <laughs> uh, all right. A Really quick, a story close to your own heart. Your Celtics are being emasculated by the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving has stomped on the Celtics leg logo. Um, as if, you know, he's, I don't know, he, he's, he's Florida and Florida state. And, uh, you know, they're the, <laughs> he's, he's, do, he's mocking the chop or something. And, um, and he's, he's called the Boston fans, uh, uh, subtly, subtly racist, uh, thoughts on this. And, um, and, and you can't complain with his play. He's he and the, he and James Harden and Kevin Durant and that supporting cast, Joe Harris and all, are eating up the Celtics. Yes. Uh, listen, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, I, as we all know, I am a Celtics fan. I was hoping he would stay when he was with the team, but he chose not to. You know, that's what being a free agent's all about. I, I don't blame him for doing what he did. It's a free country. But what I'm really a little bit upset with him about is I think what he's up to now is really sort of trying his best to sabotage the entire Celtics franchise. And I'll tell you what I mean. When he talks about the racist fans in Boston, sure, there's an element of racist fans. There's no question about it. And stomping on the logo, that was really just sort of a childish thing to do. But by disparaging pretty much the whole city, he's sending out a message that I think prospective free agents are actually going to pick up on. And that's basically, why would you want to go play there? Why would you want to go play in front of those quote unquote, racist fans. I think it's destructive. I think it's mean spirited. I think it's borderline evil. And it's making every Celtic fan uh, root against Brooklyn almost as much as we would root for the Celtics. Uh, Mm. And even Kevin Garnett and Big Baby Davis, two African-American former Celtics players, um, called him out. Garnett said it was BS. Glenn Davis uh, kind of said, you know, if I ever ran into you, I might hurt you. So, and I don't, of course, condone that. But the fact of the matter is, 
Uh, he's really trying to destroy a franchise that really didn't treat him badly at all. They wanted him to stay. He chose to leave. So Kyrie Irving, uh, plan on being booed in Boston for the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. Not, that you, not that you really care. Yeah, mixed feelings on Kyrie. Uh, heavenly player. Um, uh, hellish um hellish image off the court i i understand he wants to be different and all that and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna check myself a little bit when i was doing this story on natasha cloud uh the mystics mm-hmm. um about how she'd become this sort of pro bono minister of social justice for the league and the team great person she actually um wasn't close to Kyrie, but she was so she could tell that Kyrie was moved on this union call last summer during the you know racial reckoning of America after George Floyd and the COVID and all the players were concerned about what was going to happen going into the bubble. So Kyrie, so players, you know, NBA players that didn't go into the bubble, they weren't really hurt financially. They were like, you know, they could fall back on their WNBA players. That's a chunk of money. Kyrie ponied up 1.5 million for WNBA players that didn't, for whatever reason, whether it was health reasons, uh, social justice, they wanted to work on social justice like Natasha Cloud for the year. He ponied up 1.5 million of his own money to cover those lost salaries. And also a financial literacy course, uh, like which was 20,000 a person, anybody that wanted it in the WNBA. I mean, look, the, the guy is his heart in the right place even if he's all over the map uh, mentally and emotionally otherwise. Look, there are very, very few people in the world that are 100% good and 100% evil. All of us have a combination of goodness and something other than goodness. So look, good for Kyrie when it comes to that. I, I I would applaud anybody who tries to help out others. But I'm also going to call you out when you do something that's really sort of gratuitously destructive. And that's the way I see what he's trying to do to the Celtics franchise. Again, I could be wrong. He could be the most pure hearted person in the world. But in my opinion, I I think he's kind of up to no good. And uh, look, you know, it's not like what if he he really, what if he, what if he really felt that way about Boston though, that the, the whole subtle racism, which I'm sure he felt like, anybody's entitled to say that if they played in that place. Sure. I mean, look, like I said, you know, no, you know, he could be operating from the purest of motives, but if you look at his track record, uh, there's some reason to believe that, you know, he's, he's not the most, you know, pure as the driven snow spirit that I've (laughs) ever seen. Well, it's it's so funny. It's not that he's Iverson, but there's a, with a lot of, athletes in professional sports and the NBA, there has to be this sort of, if you're a fan, you almost separate the song from the singer at some point. Like, are you going to, the Kyrie, the ball player is, you know, he's just incredible to watch. Uh, You know, Kyrie, the off the court malcontent. That's always, uh, that's always either infuriating his teammates or the people around him. Like that guy. Yeah. If (laughs) I don't know, I, all right, let's move on to something. Yes, let's else. move on. <laughs> uh, the the Nets are a little bit unlovable, but I look. I, I think every every time there's a villain in the NBA, and clearly Brooklyn's become that villain. They're kind of taking the torch for, from the Warriors with Durant, 
from LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, from Shoots, Shaq, and Kobe back in the day. Like there was all like these villain teams, these teams that come to be, especially in the modern times where they play with their friends. Um, they're you know, there's something about being Darth Vader and walking into arena in the NBA. And while some people love him and root for him, others just can't wait to see him lose. And I think Brooklyn's become that team. Actually, the Clippers were a little bit that team last year. I don't know if they're that team this year. Well, I think I think the clip the Clippers are an interesting story because it's funny. Our buddy Dave Wool, who you know hosts Dave's front office uh, here at Pure Hoops Media, we were talking about the Clippers, and he used to be the general manager of the Clippers. Okay, and he was saying a lot of times when you bring in the kind of big name free agents or new players to the system that they did with with uh, Kawhi and Paul George. That first year, it's really, you know, you don't really expect to win that first year. It's the second year where things could kick in. We saw it in Miami when when the big three got together. Uh, They lost in 2011 to Dallas, but then in 12 and 13, they won back to back. So um, now that, you know, the Clippers are interesting. Um, I'm still not sold on them. I, I, I I don't see them. But you know what? With the injuries to people like Chris Paul and LeBron James weakening some of the teams that are going to compete with them if they get past Dallas, uh, maybe things are going to finally break their way. But uh, I, I don't know. I never really looked at the Warriors as a villainous bunch, and I never really. You know, I, I really I don't do. know. Like uh, I mean, I, Steph Curry's hard to root against, and Clay Thompson. Are, but once Durant became part of the picture, and Draymond Green was kind of a pot stir, shit stir a little bit. Um, I kind of looked at the Warriors. They, they, for, when they got Durant, in my mind, they went from the little team that could, um, all those years when they sort of, you know, came out of nowhere and nobody, you know, nobody thought nobody thought anything of them until they gave the Lakers a good series. And I, I can't remember who they beat, but it was like this big deal when they when they when they basically came of age, and they won the whole thing with Steph and Clay Thompson, not with um Kevin Durant and then when Durant comes aboard it just felt like oh my gosh the rich get richer and and Steph goes out and recruits him I don't know they to me they went from to me they 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 went from the the good guys to the dark side in 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 a season you know it's funny the the whole Durant thing I remember uh I'm not going to name this player, but a very well-known former player who was was an analyst at ESPN told me one time, because, you know, you and I are both big LeBron James fans. And as far as I'm concerned, LeBron is about as close to perfect as a basketball player can be. But this former player who actually competed against these guys was not as enamored of LeBron as I was. And I said, really? He said, yeah, because when he went to Miami, he went to another man's team where the other man had already won, meaning Dwayne Wade back in 06 when he when they beat Dallas. Well, and so a lot Sha- of people had right. Shaq too. Right. But but Wade was the main man on that team. Shaq was correct, the second correct, number two. Correct, correct. So so when Durant went to the Warriors, that kind of reminded me of what this former player said about LeBron. You know, you went to another man's team. Steph had already won without you. And, you know, and you know, so. But I had such a reservoir of goodwill about the Warriors because, you know, Steve Kerr and, you know, yeah. Clay and Steph, their owner well, they you know, were the, was a they little were annoying team. at times, though, where he said, we're light years ahead of everybody else. I mean, yeah, okay. Who you know. said that? I believe it was Joe Lacob. 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, the owner, the owner. Yeah, so now nah, yeah, like the Warriors. Look, look, the Warriors to me were the first team that the sort the the team that actually passed and moved the ball and and oh, but they had this defensive component. Like they were the first run and gun team that won the whole thing um, in my generation or my era, whatever, of covering the NBA. Before them, really, you know, like like the Steve Nash sons were close, but they never got over the hump. The, the Chris Weber, Mike Bibby Kings were, cl- were like, shoot, within a possession. They, they, they didn't get over the hump. And the, even, De- even Don Nelson's teams that went to the Western Conference Finals one year, they were really fun to watch, but they couldn't, that, that defensive component, they never got over the top. And the Warriors combined both. Uh, especially with Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green, they they moved, they passed, they were like a beautiful team to watch, and they could still win. The teams that won before them weren't ugly, but they had like a nastiness and an orneriness to them that those teams didn't have. Well, what you just described, I think, is what's going to be Brooklyn's undoing this year. I mean, look, offensively, not tough it's enough. A- well, uh, offensively, they're a beautiful machine. I mean, look, they have all oh, yeah. these different people that can score, but I don't think they have enough of a defensive presence in the middle to handle somebody like Joel Embiid or even Giannis Antetokounmpo, although I'm not necessarily saying Brooklyn won't beat Milwaukee. I think that's a pretty competitive series, but I don't see Brooklyn beating Philadelphia at all. I think Philly beats them you know, comfortably. Well, once again, you're behind the times. The net, the Wizards are going to become the first team to rebound from an 0-3 deficit in NBA history. It's um, there's been 141 series in which a team has been down 0-3, and they're 141 and zero. They uh, the team that has been up three games. They've never. It's never happened. It's happened in the NHL. It's happened in well, of course, it's happened in baseball because the Yankees did it to the Red Sox in the ALCS. Vice versa. The Red Sox did it to the Yankees. Oh, the Yankees say that. What am I talking about? Yeah. Uh, and apologies to Johnny Damon's family. Before you were a Yankee, you traded, you traitor bastard. And um, so, um, but I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think the Wizards are done. Will they? Am I am I speaking out of my ass? And I'm I'm probably wrong about the Wizards coming back. Yeah. I could see that being a six or seven game series, depending on if Embiid comes back. When when, when is Embiid coming back? We don't know. He's supposed, you know, as we record this uh, around noontime on Tuesday, he's scheduled for an MRI today. So we'll see what happens. If his knee's done and he's done for the season, well, well like, do you think the do you do you think the Washington Wizards how they looked on on, on Monday could 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 you know would would just you know like can't win that series? With them be now? I suppose, uh, by, the time I suppose, come, by the time people listen to this, by the way. I suppose it's possible, that. but but without Joel Embiid, they can forget about going to the Eastern Conference final. Right. And <laughs> so so to me, that's a window for Brooklyn. Yes, and, it is. And, and it Milwaukee. sure is. Yeah, it sure so, is. So that's it's a big window for Milwaukee or Brooklyn. But anyway, that well, that'll be we'll find out more about that by the time this thing um runs. The other injury is to Anthony Davis. I'm worried about the Lakers' chances. I, you know, once he went down, and I don't think he's going to play Game Five. Do you? I don't know that for sure, but um, look, 
it's not like the Lakers don't have any other big men on their team. Obviously, nobody's as good as AD, but you have Andre Drummond and you have Marc Gasol on your roster. So obviously, those guys are going to have to step up and challenge DeAndre Ayton if that team's got a chance. And LeBron's probably going to have to play 45, 46 minutes because when he's not on the court, the Lakers are a mess. Yeah, all right, whatever. Mark Gasol is carbon dated. Um, and, <laughs> and, and Andre Drummond, God bless him. He's got a little bit of an offensive game now, but he's still a rim protector. I mean, uh, uh, Anthony Davis is a special player. He's oh, yeah. some nights he's the best player on the floor for the Lakers. And so I think that, you know, they're not going to win the title if he's not healthy. I don't think, no. they, I don't think LeBron can do it on his own. I certainly don't, but I do, I still, man, I still have a gut feeling that whoever comes out of this series um, is going to win the whole thing. Phoenix or LA. Yeah. I think they're going to win the whole thing. Well, you know, Chris Paul's a little bit banged up too, although he had a nice effort in, uh, you know, game four. Uh, so, you know, injuries are becoming like a huge, huge story in the playoffs. I mean, look, look at how they decimated Boston. I mean, you know, Kemba Walker's probably finished. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, they, I don't know if there's a particular reason for it, but it just seems like there's been so many of them. One team that's not had a lot of injuries, though, all year, but is still finding a way to flame out in the postseason are your New York Knickerbockers, Mike Wise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just look, there's nothing like that game at the Garden in was it game two? Mm -hmm. And the place was just electric. I never, I mean, I know game one was big too, but game two when they won and, oh my gosh, it was so loud. And it was the first, I guess, since COVID began, it's really the first loud mob I've heard. Um, and where I just go, oh my, this is, the, and I remember when they went back to the TNT studios as well, Barkley's like, what do you think about that game? And he goes, the fans. Yeah. You never realize what what they're like until they're gone. My goodness, that place when the garden gets loud, and I, you know, having covered a couple game sevens there, some Bulls Knicks, some Pacers Knicks, like, and um, and an NBA Finals there. Or um, when the garden gets loud, there are a few things. Maybe I guess the Mo Montreal Canadiens when when you're in that building and it's full. And, and the Boston Bruins uh, in, in the garden for that. I mean, it's, it's a throaty roar. It's like, like you can't even, can't even talk to the person next to you. It's so loud. That's what the garden was like. And then, gosh, gosh, oh, my gosh. Trey Young is just, he's become Reggie Miller. And, and, uh, and, and, and every villain that New York has had against them in the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years all at once. I mean, he is such a dynamic player to watch and he weaves through all those mounds of muscle at about 160 pounds. He's amazing to me. He's almost a combination of Steph and Iverson at once. Um, and I, I just, you know, he's, he's single-handedly shooting the Knicks down. That's a really good description. What you just said, kind of a combination of, of Allen Iverson and Steph Curry, because he pretty much has unlimited shooting range, right? He doesn't, yep. he doesn't, you know, uh, and, and he's, you know, a whirling dervish out there. I mean, you know, you really can't, you can't get a beat on the guy because you think he's here and all of a sudden he's there. Um, and the fact that he's such a, you know, 
what is he like six foot nothing? I mean, he's a little dude. Uh, and how can you not love a little dude that's just dominating an NBA basketball game? I mean, that's one of the reasons that Iverson was so beloved was, you know, if Allen Iverson had been six, five, he wouldn't have been as beloved as he was, but you know, being diminutive, diminutive, like that word diminutive, diminutive. You've, yeah. you've, you've used whirling dervish and diminutive. He's a diminutive whirling dervish, Mike. I mean, yeah, he's a diminutive no whirling dervish. You've, you've alienated about every listener under 21, uh, maybe under 30 or 40 at this point. Sorry, um, Mike. Sorry. No, that's okay. Sorry. It's okay. You're not, you're neither dope nor woke like me. And we'll get you, we'll get you there, Bruce. We'll yeah, but there. but but there you go. I was just about to ask you though. The the people can't don't know that we're doing this on Zoom, so Mike and I can see each other. All, for a minute there, all I saw was your nose and your mouth and and your T-shirt. But now I see the full Mike Wise again, which is spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so um, what happened to Miami? I thought that series was yeah. going seven. I was so sure. I said going in, there are two series. I just know we're going seven. Portland, Denver, which very well could be, and Miami, Milwaukee. It's like, what the, what happened to the Heat? Yeah, I, it's it's a weird thing. Like you talk about the fine line in sports. When they lost that game two in Milwaukee, middle, and it was I think it went to overtime, and Milwaukee did everything they could to lose it, and um, and Giannis missed a bunch of free throws. But Middleton hits that big shot at the end, and all of a sudden you got a guy helping out, and like he's finding his clutch gene at the at the end of big games, and and he's out doing Jimmy Butler, and you're realizing, you know, Miami uh, heart and desire gets you so far, but when a team with that kind of talent realizes it has some heart too, you know, you're you're done. And so I I you know, look, I, I I'm I'm surprised that. The, that the Heat with that roster um, won as many games as they did. I'm always blown away by Eric Spolstra's coaching yeah. and talent. And look, if he has another season, season like that, he'll probably lose his job. But I mean, where he gets knocked out in the first round. But nonetheless, look, I, um, I, I don't know. I was never a big bleed. Nobody thought that Miami was going to win it in the bubble last year. Um, it was a surprise that they even got that far. But you're right. You don't expect the Heat team to flame out and ever get swept. It's just it's unheat like it's unriley like. <laughs> yeah, well, we're so used to Miami overachieving that when they underachieve, it's almost like, you know, we're, we're like flabbergasted. That's along with diminutive and whatever from my flabbergasted. Yeah, flabbergasted. I mean, I mean, I know you went to the ESPN reunion this weekend. Oh, that was so saw, much fun. Oh, oh I, I saw it. Okay. <laughs> But I got to think that Bob Lee and 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 Chris Berman and and the Swami, all the, the, that crew somehow got into your ear and just gave you every bad sports verb for the last 40 years that's been out of style. <laughs> I'm out of style, Mike. I'm not blaming those guys. So, it's not me. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, so am I. Come on, let's be let's be it. This is but two a, old white guy. This is two old white guy pure hoops media podcast. If we were cool, we would be bucket sports and blocks. We're not. We're the Mike Wise show. So we just have to own it. I'm on bucket sports and blocks a lot. <laughs> but you're not the featured star, though. No, Monica that's true. Is King McClure. I know. I I, uh, I, am, I am merely their their bus boy. <laughs> all right. Um, a couple of quick other 
the things. Um, what did you think of the Wizards purposely fouling Ben Simmons down the stretch like uh, people used to do to DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers and other players, maybe Shaq for a while too, where they, they, they forced them to make free throws and they forced bad free throw shooters to the line. I still hate it because it's, you know, but it's, it's all, it's part of the game and it, it, it reminds you how important free throw shooting is. What your thoughts? I remember, you know, the, the big thing about Ben Simmons, you know, either this year, last year, whatever was, why can't he shoot threes? Why can't he make a three? And I said all along, I'll live with him not shooting threes. I want to see the guy learn to make free throws because when you are a point guard and he is, you know, a lot of times he is the point guard and you've got the ball in your hands at the end of games. If you can at least make 75% from the line, you're a major liability in those situations. Now you can't take him out of the game because he's such a good defensive player. So he's going to earn his keep even at the defensive end of the floor. But that to me has, has that always bothered me more about Ben Simmons than the fact that he didn't shoot threes. It's like, make a free throw. And some of those free throws, I mean, they weren't even close. Oh, he chipped paint off the rim. It was like, it, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And I mean, look, free throws to me are something that if you just, you know, practice, you should be able to make them with your eyes closed if you practice enough. So for him to be so abysmal from the free throw line, um, look, still a great player, still an all-star player. Shaq used to miss his share of free throws too, although he always said, I made them when they counted. And given how many championships they won, I mean, I can't really disagree there. But yeah, I mean, do, uh, do I blame Scott Brooks? Absolutely not. You got to do whatever you can do to win. Yeah. Um, last thing um, of all, uh, the fan, um, the, the fan disbehavior right now. Yeah. The fanatic disease that's going on. Um, it seems to be, it seems to be all over basketball uh, between um, Russell Westbrook getting his, uh, getting popcorn dumped on him. Um, Kyrie getting a bottle thrown at him in Boston. Uh, Trey Young I, being I, spit on in New York. Yeah, Trey Trey Young being spit on in New York. Uh, like this is, I understand that that fans are so much. They're paying a lot more money than they used to. They don't have the relationship they used to with players because there's so much insulation now. To even you know, you almost have to go to a person's book promotional or or uh, really wait, wait, wait him out after he comes out of it. And then even then you're going to get a scribble of an autograph. I understand there's not a, there's not a closeness, but I almost feel like people go to the game now to denigrate more than they celebrate sometimes. Like, it's almost like I'm going to boo this guy and root against this person more than I'm going to root for my own team. That to me is, that to me is bothersome. It's just, I know it's a civility that's gone and you know, that, the, the the former administration um, jumped on and we have so much ugliness in the society. And, but, but, but man, when, when you see it at a game like that, it's just, ugh, just, it's unseemly. I just could never understand it. I mean, I've gone to playoff games where I've purchased tickets and some of those tickets, I mean, I've spent, you know, 300 bucks on a playoff ticket, you know, uh, times two or right. three with the kids, whatever. So if I'm going to spend a thousand dollars to go to a playoff game, why? I mean, to me, that's first of all, it's a privilege to be able to do it if you're financially able enough to do it. And then, you know, you have 
the ability to get the tickets. You have no right to act that way. You have no right. Look, go ahead and boo if you want. Go ahead and, you know, cheer for your team. But you have no right to throw a bottle, certainly not to spit. Um, you know, and again, I'm I'm a Boston fan, but I recognize I've seen some miserable fans in Boston. I remember going to a playoff game with my wife and kids and these rowdy guys, and we had pretty good seats, these rowdy guys in front of us, they were standing up the whole game. They were yelling. They were, you know, they were drunk as all hell. And I remember, you know, we said to them, you know, guys, you know, we're trying to watch the game, you know, can you sit down? And guys started giving me shit. And then it turned out that weren't, wasn't even their seats. I mean, we didn't rat them out to security, but the people whose seats the, actually were eventually showed up and got these people out of there. And it's like, you know, it, it was so, I was so glad because they were ruining the game for us. And it's just like, show up at the game, but act like a human being. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant, you know, and even Kyrie ha had a point where it's like, we're not animals in a circus. We're human beings. And, yeah. and, and, and I, 100% agree with them on that. Yeah, I, I do too. I still remember the most disturbing incident um, in my sports writing, my NBA sports writing career was in Philadelphia during the NBA finals in 2002 and, uh, or 2001, I take that back. And um, it was the Sixers against the Lakers. It was the, I want to say it was the first game there. And I just remember, like, this was right in back of the press row, like in the bottom part of the bowl. Um, I, you just heard this, ah, people are screaming. And it, it was a race thing, too. I mean, big black guys, big white guys throwing haymakers at each other, blood, uh, uh, a guy grabbing his little daughter to make sure she didn't get hurt, screaming. And, you know, I'll give, I'll give as, as much as I get under Peter, uh, Peter Vesey's skin and think he's an awful person i'll give him this he got involved and in, like he almost tried to stop it i don't think he would have done anything but he almost he almost tried to stop it himself and the perpetrators of the whole thing man were guys knocked out bloody they just walked out of the arena at the end and went and to this day i don't know if they were ever prosecuted or anything and it was one of the most ugly things i've seen and it was during nba finals game one i was like wow unbelievable but whatever well, you know, um, if, the, if the Nets end up playing the 76ers, uh, which is a distinct possibility at some point, if they if the Nets get by Milwaukee and Philly can advance and get past Atlanta and, of course, you know, the Wizards, um, think of the reception that the Nets will get in Philadelphia. The, 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 Boston, uh, the Boston fans and Philadelphia fans have a lot in common, uh, I would say. So, uh, you know, put on your big boy pants, Brooklyn, you know, because – you know, you, you're, you're going to get a little taste of that if you get to Philadelphia. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll be back again next week. Um, I don't want to tease a guest because um, it's never good to, but we could be back with somebody big. We are so big. we are so praying that this person comes through because they will be one of the best guests ever. But that's all oh, we can it. say. We don't want to jinx it. Yeah, we don't. That was dope. Oh!
Bruce Bernstein, thanks for joining me. Now hit us with the promo. Thank you, Mike. And once again, thank you for allowing me to share the microphone with you. Thank you also to our wonderful editor, Kristen Woolley. Please, please, please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin here every Wednesday. Their guest this week is TJ Macias. Macias. I forget how you pronounce TJ's last name. (laughs) She is absolutely hilarious. You got to check out TJ. Uh, She's the national NBA writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and all of the McClatchy newspapers. She's got a lot to say about the Mavs and Clippers, which we didn't really say much about, but TJ has a lot to say about those guys. No, no, the the Clippers are being, uh, the Clippers are punking the Mavs right now. Yeah, I think that one, that, you know, with Luca and his situation, that one's not going on too much longer. Like talk about fine line in sports, you're down 30 to 11 in game three. You come back from 19 points down and you take over that game and you're essentially back in the series. Really? And, uh, and uh, so uh, Bucket Sports and Blocks, the aforementioned, uh, as, uh, since we're not as cool as Monica McNutt and King McClure, but they're back here every Thursday with a new show. BJ yeah. Armstrong and our pal Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And of course, the great Mike Wise is back each Monday with a new show. And if you want to hear some selected choice discussions from all of our shows, please subscribe to the Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. And we have many great video segments on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search for Pure Hoops Media. Mike. Thank you again, Bruce. And our, our, about our eighth commercial sponsor joining us, um, Folgers Coffee has joined the, you know, and like, well, let's just welcome them to the fray. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. All right. Now that COVID-19 vaccinations are widely available, get one. They say that masks are not necessary if you are vaccinated, but if you are one of the fools who hasn't gotten one, wear the mask in public to protect yourselves and others. Keep your guard up and be smart. And if you're an anti-vaxxer, I'm going to beat you like your stepdaddy. No, I'm kidding. That's awful. Until next time. Aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.